0: Untapped talent on
1: Welcome to it. It's a Friday a few minutes past nine. Well, let us get it started in the official way. Welcome to it. It's a Friday a few minutes past nine right here on cliffcentral.com. My name is Sia Sangwenyfin and this is Untapped Talent. Thank you so much for listening and having me on. It's going to be an hour and a half. But no, it's always very interesting as we get the most interesting people in studio, chat about the most relevant and current things really out there and of course we shine a spotlight on young people who are doing absolutely awesome stuff and so because as well it is a friday we're going to start it off and make us you know put us all in that weekend spirit and one of those things is i've really spent the whole week really scouring the internet and that's what you do you Get onto the internet for a couple of minutes. You think you'll be very professional and stick to things that are will be productive. Next thing, you're on YouTube for like the whole day. It seems like, and that's exactly what I was doing. Um, so one of the things that I actually found, I think, so it does actually count as being productive, right? If I was actually on there now, I'm talking about it on my show. That's kind of productive. I'll say, t- I'll think like I've ticked it off in that box. Uh, a very interesting video that I've uh, found, and it's definitely something that'll ease us into the weekend. Well, is. a video by todrick hall now if you know him he's very unconventional with his youtube videos and he has basically taken all of taylor swift's puppets and put it all really together in like this new viral video. So the YouTube star Todrick has massed together some of, t- some of T-Swift's biggest tracks for his four Taylor performance, proving that he fully deserves a spot in her squad. So Hall brings together massive songs like Bad Blood and Blank's Place and We Are Never Ever Ever Gonna Be Coming Back Together and I Knew You Were Trouble. So all of Taylor's most love songs. Um, and it really becomes like, it's quite impressive really. It is a talent at the end of the day. um, He's gotten like 1.2 million subscribers is on his YouTube channel, and he has a new MTV docu series called Todrick. How original! It is his name after all, and I think I hey, listen. It is kind of impressive. So talk about getting into the weekend spirits in the proper way. This is Untapped Talent, and Todrick Hall with his unconventional talent of mashing up Taylor Swift songs.
2: Nice to meet you where you've been I could show you incredible things Magic, madness, heaven, sin Saw you there and I thought Oh my god, look at that face Looking like my next mistake Life's a game, wanna play We were both young When I first saw you I closed my eyes In the flashback starts. I'm standing there And that's how it works On about. When pebbles and my daddy said Stay away from Juliet And I was crying on the staircase Begging you please don't go Your and i got that red lip classic, classic thing that you like and when we go crashing down we come back every time we never go out of style we never go out of style baby did you have to do this i was thinking that you could be trusted did you have to ruin what was shiny now it's all rusted boy oh, We walked in, but now we got bad blood, flew me to places you've never been, and now we got bad blood, and we are never, ever, ever getting back. So
1: listen, whether you're a Taylor Swift fan or not, you have to admit, this is pretty impressive. It's one guy, he's almost like superimposed his voice all over the place. And that's how he has this taylor swift like amalgamation of notes what a dramatic word to use but hey that's what untapped talent is all about we're giving a light onto unconventional talent as well um so if you feel like you want to get involved in the show you know you can always tweet us at cliff central comma C underscore sf or you can send us a message on wechat our official account is cliff central tap connect and message to show so what we have lined up for the show for you today on the show uh i'll be speaking a little later on to someone who can definitely offer people who want to be in the industry Some great advice. His name is Athos Kiriakides. And I think I deserve a gold star for pronouncing his surname correctly as well. Uh, so he has been working in the film and television industry for quite a long time. Like, I mean, 15 plus years, he's been in LA, he's been in London, he's now based in South Africa. But I think so often we shine the spotlight on, you know, young up-and-comers on the show. But more than that, I think as much as you are a young up-and-comer, you need some advice from people who know better than you, people who've been in the industry longer. So take your, take your pen and papers out, people, We're <laughs> it's going to be a, good one later on but kicking things off as well more people who are actually doing great stuff for young people out there um is someone all the way from cape town and so i'll be chatting to the team behind education on the move um they are the digital they you know, really do believe in digital education for our future t- generation. So Education on the Move is a mobile makerspace, aka a digital classroom on wheels, that travels to schools uh, to provide a reverse field trip experience for students as well as an ICT center by bringing literacy, which is reading and writing, and numeracy education experiences to the classrooms. So Education on the Move has helped students, is going to help students, build confidence and endeavors to instill, enhance, and develop reading, writing, and numeracy with technology skills through hands-on learning so it's quite impressive i think it's absolutely awesome to always chat to people who are going out there and really focusing on some good and especially if it's going to help young people out there so straight after this i'll be talking to lauren julius from cape town
0: sir richard branson had a game-changing idea he made it happen you have a game-changing idea and now sir richard wants to discuss it with you aboard the virgin atlantic 787 dreamliner Presenting Dream Entrepreneur. Email dream at cliffcentral.com with your one-minute video or audio recorded business plan. If our panel of judges think it's a game changer, you'll be one of ten to attend a course at the Joburg Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Then, two final winners will take home 40,000 Rand in cash, 140,000 Rand's digital marketing package, one week in London attending Global Entrepreneurship Week, and time with Sir Richard Branson aboard the Virgin Atlantic 787 Dreamliner. An idea is only ever an idea until you make it happen. T's and C's apply. Go to cliffcentral.com for more info. Are you South Africa's next dream entrepreneur?
1: At Sibanya Gold, we believe leaders are made, not born. We also believe we can create a sustainable legacy by helping to develop tomorrow's leaders today, which is why we have partnered with the leadership platform to nurture leaders who are committed to growing our country's economy.
0: We are proud to say it's an initiative that's already showing glittering results. Sibanya Gold. We are one.
1: So we have Lauren Julius all the way from Cape Town joining us via Skype this morning. Good morning, Lauren. How are you?
3: hi see you. i'm
1: fabulous and yourself you know what you aren't just good you aren't just great you are fabulous <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i absolutely love that. and listen for lack of yes. yeah, exactly for lack of a better term you are doing fabulous work as well let's just talk about education on the move so it's quite a quirky uh way you got in contact with us because <laughs> i saw your tweets a while ago and then emails as well so a for effort and a for determination because we're finally chatting to you Thank now you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely worked in your favor. But let's get straight into it. Education on the move. How would you basically summarize this idea that you have?
3: Basically, it is a digital classroom on wheels. So that will enable us to physically drive into the communities where there are lack of um, school infrastructures. So we will take the classroom to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it will accommodate like about two, it will accommodate 20 kids, um, four spaces for disabled kids. And we'll teach them on the bus. We'll give them access to like digital equipment. So they'll get access to and learn how to work on a tablet or or on the Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. And then also we will still engage with them like with physical education material as well.
1: So you're definitely focusing on using technology to enhance and inspire, you know, young people out there and more specifically focusing on early childhood development.
3: That is correct, yes. Because we feel that... Um, I'm not sure if you have heard like around the campaign of the first 1,000 days of a child's life and then the age group of like from two to four of how important it is to develop a child's brain and their senses and all the various cognitive skills and motor skills because that is basically laying the good solid foundation mm-hmm. for school because that's where the problem comes in that not enough learners are fully equipped to actually enter school Yeah. and that is why there's such a big backlog and being like kids um you know they filter through the funnel basically yeah. they don't end up graduating with good marks and that type of thing so we're trying to break the cycle from the very basic grassroots
1: level. You know, Lauren, it's so easy for some of us who are privileged and who are fortunate enough to, you know, to have gone to preschools where the focus on, you know, be- bettering ourselves and really giving the best education out there to be stuck in this bubble really of oblivion. But what is the reality yes. that so many South Africans are facing in terms of education?
3: Wow. The reality is, um, there was a recent study done, and about 70 to 80% of like, the national amount of children, as per the census, mm-hmm. they don't even have access to um, a crash facility or playgroup facility, um, preschool facilities. So they technically enter school at grade odd level or grade 1 level, mm-hmm. not ever being exposed to holding a pen or writing or throwing a ball to each other. So yeah, so it is really actually quite scary out there. And although there are a lot of organizations who are not trying to fight this valiant fight, they are still like you said, there's a lot of oblivion and yeah. you no know, let the government it's a government's problem. And that is why we also just stepped up and felt like, you know what? We jumped off the bandwagon of complaining and like let government sort it out and we're just trying to do it ourselves. And yeah, the harsh reality is that a lot of parents are in the cases of single parents, um, I mean, they need to work. And in a lot of cases, both parents work too. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they don't have like that time or the effort to put into the kids. And even though they really want to, they're also not fully equipped. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can start with them from a young age, then they'll be able to help their child also better and vice versa.
1: So most definitely talk about jumping off the bandwagon of complaining and expecting, you know, just solely relying on the government to make things happen. You have created your own wagon. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, that's what you really hope yes. to do, to create your own bandwagon of positivity and going out there and making the change. When did this idea actually come about and how did this idea come about?
3: It actually it came about um about three or four years ago, but I definitely we jumped on our bandwagon, as you said, um, beginning of the year. Um because fear is what kept us from actually pursuing it and you know, procrastination. Mm-hmm. And then we just decided at the beginning of the year, you know what? Screw procrastination, we're just going to do this and see like where it ends up. And since we picked it up, it's been snowballing at phenomenal rate. Wow. And what inspired this is that we've always been involved in volunteering our time to go to children's homes or to hospitals. You know, you spend a few hours, you read a few books, you play, and then we just felt but like there's more that we can do. And what inspired us to literally to pick, to pick this up at the beginning of the year was that there are so many children during school time that are at traffic intersections. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad, like, you know, the question comes up, like, why are you here? Besides the fact, of course, that they are desperate for food, um, the fact is you should be in school. And yeah. that is, like, what sparked it, like, even more because in the realization of but these children, they live, like, kilometers, like, vast kilometers from school. They don't have transport to school. and There are no proper structures for them. And that is how the idea came about.
1: And so for you, what would you have to say makes this project absolutely unique? And why should people begin to support it?
3: What makes this project absolutely unique is the fact that we can get, we will be able to traverse over like in the rural roads to the farms um, with all like nothing. Mm-hmm. So we have the opportunity that we're mobile so we can go wherever the need is. And we don't have to wait on of financing, to set up infrastructure, to set up proper security measures. Um, And we have everything on the bus and it is fully equipped to house the kids with safety and health regulations all adhered to. Um, And I would say that would make us unique.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when I think of this idea, you know, I, I think of... I watched the CNN Hero of the Year Awards a couple of years ago and there was an old woman by the name of Estella who also, you know, she worked for as a guidance counselor for the longest of time and she was seeing how her community wasn't, you know, progressing forward and to look at where the world is headed, you really do need a grasp of technology in order to move forward. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Absolutely. So she devoted her time. She spent some money as well. And she bought an old bus and she got some people together. She put some computers in there as well and is doing exactly what you aim to do as well, to go out there and to teach kids as well. all about really technology and better yet, about just equipping young people to go out there and be better people.
3: That's correct. And also at the same time, because our focus is mainly, of course, it's like through the digital medium. But our focus is on developing that reading, writing and numeracy skills which so lack in kids, you know, and it's not always a case of that they are dumb or that they are slow. It is just that those basic skills hasn't been instilled in them properly at a young age. So that is what we want or aim to do, like via the digital medium and make them tech savvy once they enter senior, primary and high school where they use the technology all the time.
1: Okay, so Lauren, where are we now in the timeline of this idea? You know, it's a great idea. I I fully am behind it. I hope many other people will jump on and support as well. But where are we now?
3: Where we are now is that we've got all our equipment and we've got all our teaching aids, etc. We are now at the place where we are sourcing the connect bus so if everything goes well, we will launch with a new school year in 2016.
1: That is fantastic. The, yes. Wow, so you're already like <laughs> so we, just three months away.
3: Yes, from this reality happening. Uh, how, and if I can just add, uh-huh. um, we are currently in talks with... Um, we see in H Industrial um, they the, they build the Avico buses and the trucks and that you see on the road all the time. Yeah. Um, we are currently in talks with them because, believe it or not, we have reached out to West Coast Customs. You know, from Pimp Ride As in and Pim- and Yeah,
1: North I was about Coast to say. Customs hold up. <laughs> yes.
3: And they are so excited to actually build this bus for us. And have it shipped over, and also include us as part of this show. Okay, and hold up, Laura. Also, Laurie. all our sponsors, they'll give the media exposure. So I just we, need to sit down for a second with this.
1: <laughs> Here you were, you were just simply planning on a bus with computers, etc. To go out and teach people. Yes. But you know, reaching out to West Coast Customs, you aren't just going to get a, just a nice, pretty bus. I think they're going to absolutely pimp your bus. Like, are you yes. are you now expecting like a sky? like a little convertible bus with a bookshelf that'll come out from the side and like lights underneath it how far are they going to take this
3: yes um we said for the first build um definitely not too over the top <laughs> but they have come up with really exciting ideas that we could include a reading space inside the bus as well which would which would Unfold from the bus and all of that.
1: You see, so, the mere yeah, fact that they're now talking about something unfolding, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be quite a production and a half. Okay, so they think yes. about little reading space. Okay,
3: yes, and of course, then we will have the the desk um, space where the kids will sit, and we'll have swivel chairs so the kids can turn to each other, which will um, help them engage, like with the social skills and also the peer to peer learning. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is, that is absolutely. That's, yes. <laughs> that
1: really is awesome. I'm at a loss for words right now because, sorry, as soon as you mentioned Pimp My Ride, I was, I'm getting these images now in my this head bus. of like how this bus <laughs> is going to look. But Lauren, of course, you aren't the yes. only one working on this. Who are some of the your team members and some of your partners that you'd really like to highlight and thank as you move yes. forward in this journey?
3: Um, we are two business partners in this. Um, the other lady is Carla Davidson. Um, her background is in mechanical engineering and science, so she's also really passionate about developing that science skills um, and just sparking the interest in the kids from a young age already. And then there are um, our partners that we're partnering with in terms of education, yeah. is brain boosters, um, and Pebbles Project um, in the Cape Windlands, and then there's also the green shoots education, and the Foundation for Community Work. So we'll be working with those three organizations to reach their network of the ECD, in other words, the uh-huh. Early Childhood Development Centers.
2: Uh-huh. And we will be
3: engaging with their current network and how to improve their curriculum, and we're basically enhancing their things. So in the first year, which is next year, 2016, is our pilot year, we'll be reaching um, close to 100 schools.
1: Wow. Which
3: is... Yeah, which is quite a lot of children as well. So, yeah, we invite anybody else that want to come on board. You know, like if, if you want to invade your time to teach or to help us develop our program further, um, please, um, you know, give us a shout. Um, at the Our email is eduonthemove at com. Okay. And then these are special thanks that I want to send out to Beverly Wharton Hood from Pearson Education because they have... Um, sponsored us with a lot of reading material, activity books, as well as a complete e-learning curriculum. And this will be an ongoing relationship with him. They will provide us with reading material and and activity books. And also um, Bertie Lubner from the Lubner, the Lubner Group um, of all the hoodwork and the furniture and things. Uh-huh. He has been our first champion to. Um, inject some cash into us
0: so
3: very much big thanks to them
1: absolutely now i I just want to know from your front lauren and from carla's side as well what keeps the two of you motivated and keeps you going and driving this project forward
3: what keeps us going at this stage is just the phenomenal support and an interest like in our service and the fact that we're definitely on the right move and just um engaging with teachers at the various ECD centers where we will be, like just the excitement and from the kids' side already because we've introduced the concepts to them and how we will, will be working within the, our pilot year. And just that excitement alone is more than enough of gratitude and motivation for us.
1: Well, listen, I just have to say from someone who's, you know, so invested in making our country better by focusing on young people, you know, really, they are the future uh, of our country. I just absolutely have to say thank you so much for all that you do. And most importantly, thank you as well for stopping by the show and all the best of luck. You know, T minus three months, right? yes
3: (laughs) yes
2: <laughs> Three... i'll keep you posted <laughs> absolutely so
1: i i want pictures keep us in the loop and of course if you ever need if you ever want just a few minutes to chat about the project on as well let us know so thank you so much lauren julius yep. uh and once again that email is ag on the move at gmail.com right
3: that's correct
1: fantastic so that's right it, like, I really have nothing else to say except thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you, and all the best. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day, Lauren. Thank
3: you. Can I just um, thank someone in particular?
2: to huh. Uh huh. Um,
3: it's Brent Lindeke with his um, Rack 15. Yes, yeah, so our good stuff guy, guy on Central. He's a continuous inspiration for us as well, really. He's such a great motivator.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you so much for stopping by Antab Talent this morning.
3: Awesome. Thank you untapped talent
0: on cliffcentral.com
1: this is untapped talent on cliffcentral.com with myself Sia sangwenyefin so as i said at the top of the show we always talk to young up-and-comers who are doing great things in the industry and yes as great and awesome as it is i think once in a while you need advice from people who know better than you and who have more experience than you right of course so i have i think quite the qualified person joining me in studio this morning. this morning uh Athos. no Athos kirigakides
4: perfect so yeah right. okay <laughs> perfect i'm very impressed i
1: think maybe i was greek in my past life it could be no that's, could a well be. Okay. that's a no, lie that's a lie i just not. wanted to seem cool <laughs> and maybe let's see how that goes otherwise thank you so much for joining me this no, morning thank you for having me all right so i i don't even know where to begin because i think the greater conversation is all about the realities of the industry the entertainment industry and so many people are so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about coming in here and doing great things and conquering the world but then you get into it and you see a whole different other world and so as someone who's had 15 years in this industry been all over the world literally i'm definitely excited to have you on so once again thank you so much for being here um i want to start off with your own personal journey where did it all start for you
4: um so yeah it's been like almost 15 years um I guess it started with like a, a real deep love and passion for cinema. Okay. I loved movies. Um, and from a young age, I just kind of like, a, I couldn't remember anything else. But you ask me anything about movies and I'll yeah. tell you who was in what, you know, now uh, I have how to, great the film was. Now I have and, to
1: ask, what's your favorite childhood film?
4: That's a tough one, hey. I think maybe i would have to go with Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, love Indiana I think Jones. anyone who
1: instantly mentions like Spielberg is super classy and knows their movie Thank stuff. You. Okay, so you have like three gold stars for that one. Okay, so you're always a child so, just so fixated always, with the yes, screen.
4: I was just, um, I loved cinema, and um, at that point, I didn't know how I could fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a leap of faith. I went to LA when I was 19. Wow. Um, oh. And, uh, through a connection I had here, um, I got an internship at a company called October Films, mm-hmm. who were owned by Universal uh, Studios at the time. Yeah. And they made a lot of like art house, uh, really like, um, films that had a lot of depth to them. Yeah. Like they made stuff like being John Malkovich. They made uh Robert Duval's The Apostle, Ooh. they made uh, Lars von Trio's Breaking the Wave. So they were doing a lot of like really interesting, edgy films, and it was like it's the kind of films that I wasn't really exposed to in South Africa, because we weren't getting a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I love the mainstream Spielberg stuff, but um but but like interning at that company like just yeah. showed me a whole other world.
1: But I have to say, let's backtrack it. But when you were nineteen, yes. did you have an a clear plan in your head of how you were going to get into the industry and what you were going to do within the industry? Not
4: at all. I, I didn't even know that I'd end up becoming a writer. But I just kind of, when I started interning, the first thing that I did was they'd give me scripts that were coming in. Mm-hmm. I needed to read them and, and write up a report. So, like, over six months, I'd read like 400 screenplays. Wow. And then st- sort of started to realize maybe I could write as well. But even then, it was so premature. I'd, yeah. I had no idea that I would end up becoming a writer.
1: Wait, so you basically were in charge of what the big, the Top Guns in the company saw on their desk
4: effectively yeah. so can
1: it's, we say that you probably ruined someone's career by not passing through the right script I mean, or you thought it was horrible possibly. meanwhile
4: <laughs> i guess uh, yeah could be i mean someone out there i hope, hates that, you I turned, I, I hope <laughs> that i turned down projects that really didn't have any potential yeah okay you know? we'll but hope I mean, for the best yeah yes
1: but i do have to say i think that's you know it it Really, it seems like uh, your story seems like one from a movie script, for lack of a better term. Someone moving to L.A. from South Africa at the age of 19. What are your expectations when you moved over there versus like the realities of L.A. and Hollywood?
4: Um, It was I didn't really have any preconceptions um when I got there because initially I'd, I... I'd booked just to go for three weeks. Okay. I wasn't actually going to stay there. And three then, weeks
1: for like a holiday?
4: Just to kind of like get a sense of what LA is about, how how the film industry works. Yeah. I, d- I didn't really think I'd end up staying. But because I, I had this contact who put me in touch with this company yeah. and I got, the, got an internship, it was literally like I was supposed to fly back to South Africa three days. I called my parents and I was like, I'm, I'm staying <laughs> for a year. <laughs> So how did it was that completely. Wow, well, my parents like at that time, you know, they wanted me to do a BCom. Yeah. You know, do the traditional, do the education. traditional, yeah. You know, it. You know, um, education like to you know they, they didn't really have a concept of like how, what kind of position I could take up uh-huh. in the industry. They just felt felt it was like an outlandish idea. Yeah. But they kind of just went with it and hopefully. You know they—they've seen that it has worked out. Oh yeah, in yeah, yeah. Wrong- <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> now your first couple of days, I can—I cannot even imagine how it must be. You're 19 years old, starting off as an intern. You are in Hollywood.
4: I guess I could only have done it when I was 19 because I think if I was, if I was much older, Uh I probably would have talked myself out of it. But because I was so young and impressionable and passionate about somehow getting involved. This is one of those things. I just took a leap. But I do remember because I had a flight from New York to LA and I had like serious anxiety on the way because I was like, what am I doing? I'm going on like the other end of the planet. Yeah. On this like dream that you know, it it just seemed completely outlandish. Yeah, as, much, uh, and as I, that was the moment it, where I thought, "Oh my God, what am I doing?"
1: What what still made you commit to it, nonetheless, even my, with those I think thoughts.
4: it was like I I loved movies so much that I just there was an intuitive sense that I could somehow do something. You know, mm-hmm. that I with my passion alone. And my love for film, something, the universe would somehow make a plan for me. And I guess that's what happened.
1: Now, those first couple of days as an intern in Hollywood, did it seem exactly like there should be music in the background? You should have backup dances. Was it as picturesque as we always see in the movies?
4: in a way it was because you kind of like even just walking the streets you like bump into famous people that you've idolized your whole life and you like i can't believe i just walk past sean penn or i can't believe i like i'm having coffee and right next to me is Meg Ryan with her kid wow you know it was that kind of thing and i was just like blown away
1: which years was this because this I... was
4: uh 99
1: okay 99 okay so sean penn yeah still hadn't done i am sam
4: no, not yet. He
1: Meg um, no. Ryan was still a thing straight after you yes. got mail. Yes. That's okay, right. so, yeah, bless I, her I've soul. I
4: bumped into Angelina Jolie at a pre Oscar bash that my company had, and I was, and she was really young then as well. Wow. You know, this was like long before, you know, she made it. Angie, Brad, the mother and, of and, and, 600 and kids. mother <laughs> of 600 kids, exactly, yeah.
1: That must be absolutely amazing. No, it was mind blowing. So, how it long really did you was. stay in LA?
4: So, I ended up staying a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I sort of like my, my, my work visa ran out. So I had to kind of decide to come back at that point. Um, and having come back, then I sort of got in touch with prime media, uh, who were developing films at the time. So I started, um, uh, sort of in development with them looking at their projects. Okay. And I did that for a couple of years and then I ended up moving to London, where I was like doing... Hold the- up. Now we have to
1: understand that decision as well. So there you were making independent movies here in South Africa. Why did you feel like you had to go to London?
4: I felt like after LA, coming back to South Africa, because the industry was so young at the time, mm-hmm. and um, you know it was still building itself up. And having been to LA where it's like a completely built up industry already, oh, yeah. I felt like London would be an opportunity to sort of continue what I did in, in LA, mm-hmm. um, so I went again. Like I didn't really have any leads, but I went to London and somehow. <laughs> I feel like that's the constant. You just you know, like
1: leave and you see if it works out.
4: Yeah, you know. I think I think where there's a will, there's a way. I know it's kind of a cliche, but like I, th- I re- cliches are really
1: there believe, for a reason because they are true, though. You know? Yeah. Um, so where where about in London did you go? Where did you work? So where was, were you living? So
4: I was living in uh, I was living in central London, um, and. It it was fortuitous because when I when I got there, the London Film Council had just been established and they were looking for script editors. Wow! So I put my name forward and I went for an interview and I got it. Um, and so I was I was script editing for the the British Film Council mm-hmm. for and then I got a job at BBC Scotland and Film Four, just reading and script editing projects that were being developed and ultimately got made.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm trying to look at your life thus far and it's very hard not to say that, oh... Things just happened uh, and was just like these things aren't really like. I think sometimes it's like think, destined and
4: I think it is. Yeah, there's a bit of divine destiny going on there.
1: Of course, yeah. Before we get too deep, though. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> how long did you stay in London before you came back so to it was, South Africa? Uh,
4: two years. I was in London and mm-hmm. then uh, ended up coming back here. Uh, and actually, at that point, was when I really started writing a lot of my own stuff because uh, before that, I was just script editing other people's work. Yeah. Um, and then when I got you, it sort of occurred to me that I, I could be a writer myself. Um, and uh, my first real writing job was on a show for SABC2 called Chacha, uh-huh. Um where I wrote three episodes. I think it was season two or three. I can't remember now. And then straight after that, um, I was at Scandal for three years, where I ended up writing… So I lost count, but probably about 200 episodes.
1: So at that stage, you definitely saw that now my vision is in definitely, writing. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Definitely in there.
4: I, I, you know, I look back at my writing then and I think, wow, I was so raw and undeveloped. And I think... As a writer, you realize that it's only after like a long period of time that you eventually become a good writer because you have experiences to draw on. When you're very young, it's difficult to really be a great writer yeah. because you haven't had life experiences.
1: Now with experiences, there's, there's, you know, this, there's points of reference. Yeah. There's, this authenticity you know, you can tap into that region. Re- yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look up to writers in any sort of form, you know, be it a songwriter because the, at the end of the day, you really have your thoughts and your experiences or whatever you want to translate. And essentially, you now have to word it in a way that resonates and relates to different people. I think in a song, it's one thing because you have a hook and you have certain bars and you can make things rhyme. So yeah. it might be, I'm not taking anything away from writers, songwriters, might be a little easier. But when you're trying to tell a story now, you know, you may n- know that, okay, I want to deal with the protagonist who's going through heartache and this is the message I want to leave viewers with. But how do you go about actually scripting that? I, I think that might be a bit daunting
4: no it's a it's it's an interesting question because I guess there's like a lot of different kinds of forms of writing Mm -hmm. if you're doing a daily soap it's just so intense and so relentless because you've you're writing five episodes a week well I'm not doing it myself but you know we've got a team of writers who will take on one episode a week and um like so the the way it works with soaps is that you you kind of develop the long story arcs okay so that all the writers are on the same page and then you break it down into scenes um and then those scenes get given to the writers and that's when you really have to dig deep and look for the emotion look for the kind of uh the inner turmoil that the character's going
1: through yeah so that will Case in point, Sia in a drama series, Sia's going through it. Div- well, Sia lands up divorced, yes. and so you now break it down to who you know, was like, he, who, 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 was who he with? He with, why is he getting divorced?
4: Exactly, all of that stuff, you know. And 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 you, you really have to tap into it. You really have to get into, you know, Sia's headspace. Yeah. Why, why did he have that breakup? You know, what led to it? What were the extenuating circumstances that 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 brought about that divorce you know so.
1: i must think uh athos you know we have our own issues life is already hard enough now you want to sit with the characters issues and how do you do you ever get to like switch off and go and be like okay i'm going home that's it that's
4: done yes not really clearly hey, like, not <laughs> no, you, you take it home with you you know you you never stop thinking about it oh. and i guess that's one of the drawbacks of like being a writer I mean, you can't really just like put it on a shelf and pick it up the next day
1: yeah do you, and now you're working on sabc Three's Isidingo. Do you feel a personal connection with the characters?
4: I do, yeah. I mean, I've been with Isidingo almost two years now. So, um, and we've introduced quite a lot of new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I do feel like connected to them because, especially the new ones, but also the old ones because, you know, even though when I, even when I wasn't working on a sitting, I was watching the show and investing myself in some of the characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really do feel like a connect with, with, with a lot of the characters on the show.
1: How much of what is going on in the world influences something that we
4: see on a soap? On Isidingo, very much so. Yeah. You know, we we are always looking at current issues, global issues, but also just national issues, you know. we, uh, I mean, I also write, like, we call them the TX scenes, which are the scenes that, uh, for instance, you know, if something big happened this morning, I could Uh write a scene and it would would be dropped into the episode tonight. Wow. Like, we actually, uh, I'm just trying to think, like, I think it was last week or the week before, we had two characters talking about the whole... You know, DJ Zinkle, Bonang, yes, aka Triangle. Not not in an insensitive way, but people are talking about it.
1: It's relatable. It's relatable. If you spoke about it at the office, if you heard it on your way home, you're now sitting in front of the TV in the off in the evening, and here you are, these characters who you relate and, with.
4: And our audience That's love love that about Isidinga. It's always been part of the DNA of the show.
1: Yeah. It's definitely something cool, I have to say. But, I Will, another thing that I'm sort of hung up on yes. as, a, as a writer for Soap, you guys film quite a wa- way... Three months in advance. Yeah, yeah. isn't that kind of risky to a certain extent?
4: It is, but because we have so much to deliver, it's yeah. the only way to do it. It's the only practical way to do it, you know. Um, yes, it can lead to problems. I mean... You know, you could write a whole storyline for a character and then suddenly something happens to him Mm -hmm. and you've got three months of storyline that you literally have to throw out the window and start again. And those things have happened over oh, yeah. the days, you know.
1: Uh, that's when you get a character who's randomly now, oh, they've married off or they ran away. Or, or, yeah,
4: or you can't just, you can't get hold of the actor. I mean, I remember on Scandal Days, and I won't name the actor, but some, <laughs> the actor just <laughs> well, disappeared. Nobody, he like fell off the face of the <gasps> Oh, earth. I and think couldn't I know who it is. And it just, it it was a huge, huge So um, that was real. The person just smashed. disappeared. Yeah. Completely fell off the face. Nobody could get hold of him.
1: So how do you guys spin that around?
4: Well, it it literally involves like, you know, completely scrapping three months of storyline and starting from scratch, figuring out how to write him out for that period. Sucks.
1: You know, and I know with Istenga particularly, I don't think you were there at the time, but with the passing of, um, oh, her name just. Lee. Yes, Lee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, the way it was dealt with, I still think to this day, there's no other, Scene or episode or a series that stands out to me on south african television i 'll never forget having Barker Haynes going out into the mountains looking for a daughter and the tears
4: oh uh, yeah, they really made that Whoa, okay. if that yeah. is not I a boohoo moment, but yeah, but they they found a a really plausible way to deal with it, you know and
1: I think it it, it was you know not distasteful wasn 't it because when I heard they are going to incorporate her death into the yes. series, I was like, come on people,
4: it was almost like they paid homage to the actress absolutely because she she was such a great presence on the show yeah and it was such a shame you know that she she ended up dying the way she did but yeah
1: but uh, yeah I do think it was still in a in a nice manner but listen I, I thought so after everything you've done you know gone to LA you've also consulted on projects like my favorite Silver Linings Playbook and you're now in South Africa based uh, you know working on Estigo, et cetera, etc etc I think the the big questions that I'd like to ask you is the industry is it all glitz and glam as we all might think it is?
4: Uh, no, I don't think it is. I mean, like, there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, sure, you get you do your premieres, you do the the yes. functions when the when the production's done, and that's all great. But that's one but night in a season. <laughs> exactly, the nitty gritty of actually putting a show together is is very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in all facets, whether that be writing, whether that be your talent, whether that be your you know, the the technical people behind the show it's it's not a it's not a a walk in the park you know yeah. there's a, a lot of work that goes on behind it and I think the only way you can survive in this industry is if you you know you stick to your guns and you be you, fo- you focused, and you know what the end goal is.
1: Yeah. Now, if I, as a young person, I've just matriculated from high school, I'm really interested in the arts, uh, particularly maybe being on on television or somehow incorporated in production. What would you advise I do?
4: I mean, I think it's always good to get training. You know, at at. Um, you know, there's a whole variety of institutions that you could go to. And now it's built up. It's not like it was when I was 19, you know, when I was 19 after it just started, Mm -hmm. you know, now there's, there's film schools around the country. Wits is a great place to go for dramatic arts. If you want to be an actor, um, because they regularly, their alumni, um, get, get good work on TV shows and they're very strong actors. Uh So the theory behind it is very strong. Um, but I think it's just like it's getting getting the training, and then just you know getting your the other thing is getting yourself an agent.
1: Yeah. What are some of the agencies we should look out for? I know there's a lot of talk around Munyan Lee Associates. I think
4: Munin Lee is one of the biggest. Uh-huh. Uh There's Legends. There's Artist Connection. There's quite a lot, um, and they're all very good. Uh, and and of course that's what I've started doing myself is representing talent. Yeah. Um and the reason I've started doing that, what I've realized over the last year is that um, although these agencies are good, they have so many people on their books that it's very hard for them to 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 give their artist a, a really kind of hands-on personal approach. Yeah. Uh, you might become just another number sort on Sort of the like list. another number sometimes oh, yeah. there, you know. And that's why I've sort of – I've taken on three artists this year who I'm, I've taken a very hands-on approach and I'm managing their careers – um, looking for something that's exactly right for them and their target market.
1: Okay. Now, what are some of the things we should be looking out for from someone who promises to be our agent or be a manager? You know, Because we don't want a, a fly-by-night who promises us the world and wants a deposit of X amount. Meanwhile, they have no credibility and they're out the door in yes. three weeks. What should we look out for if we are looking for an agent or manager?
4: Um, I think it's always good to before you even do that to try and um, get some practical experience like even if it's student films um, just getting a sense of uh, you know what it's like being on a film set or a TV set okay because it's very difficult for someone who hasn't done anything before to just kind of expect them to slip straight into the way things work um, so if you can especially if you if you go into film school you'll get that practical knowledge because they're shooting stuff um at high school and when when you come out sorry not at high school but at varsity yeah. when you come out of varsity at least you have that you know you're not kind of like fish out of water who's just expecting to get a, a lead role in a show because that hardly ever happens yeah. um but i think it's I, th- I think it's you know approaching agents even if you're very like um green and um just getting started. Wet behind the ears. Wet behind the yeah. ears. That's what I was, that's the phrase I was looking <laughs> for. Um, and, and and letting them know that you are passionate, letting them know that you have these kinds of interests and you want to tap into these kinds of characters. Um, and, and I think th- they'll, just from your enthusiasm, they'll see that you're serious about this. Because yeah. you can usually tell someone who is just kind of. Thinking about it, but not really taking it seriously. Or someone who's As really opposed to committed. someone who's really committed yeah. and is not, is going to do everything in their power to, to make it work for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, let's face the reality. Is every single actor or someone who's in the entertainment slash media industry going to be a Charlize Theron? <laughs> if we have hopes of going to Hollywood... Would you advise we just pack up our bags and we just move over to LA and hopefully (laughs) we'll be in a bank and we'll throw a tantrum and there'll be an agent. To be
4: honest, like most of the stories I have, like actors who go to LA, they end up struggling. They end up like waitering in a bar, hoping for that big shot. I mean, having said that, there are like a lot of actors who've made it work. You know, Mm -hmm. they haven't become huge like Charlize Theron, but they're getting regular work.
1: Who are making a living, a basic living as actors.
4: Exactly. Yeah. But
1: would you recommend that? I know it's like a tricky question to I, ask.
4: I would, I would recommend that, but I would say it's always better like getting some local experience. Get, get, you know, try get on a couple of local shows before you end up making the move because it'll just help you in the long run. It, you know, you go to LA and there's so many people who are going to LA hoping that, you know, it's their time that they're going to, you know, they're gonna like make a success of it straight away, yeah. and it's it's the reality is that it's very it's very competitive there, and you you're also going as a foreigner, so mm. it's it's extra hard yeah. to make it work.
1: And you might be stereotyped into this role, and there might not be a lot of roles of like this person out no, there. No, exactly. Um, but and you,
4: you obviously have to, you know, you you yeah. It, it helps if you if you can do different accents mm-hmm. because they're not going to cast a South African show. I'm sorry, a South African character on an American show. True. I mean, it hardly ever happens that they would write a South African character into the show. Uh, yeah you know, I mean uh, you know it's unless it's Neil Blomkamp and he's writing <laughs> South African characters into his then books. you
1: better make friends with Neil and Charlize who else it that helps it helps if you're friends with them and all the South Africans together and make friends but you know the analogy I always think of I, I can't remember where I heard this but they said you know going to an industry like America you know in Hollywood you will be like a maintenance man because you're just going at the flow it's already established you just have to make a Work. Whereas in an industry like South Africa, yes, a lot of people may say it's a tiny industry, but at least you have chance to break new ground. So Absolutely, that's definitely the silver lining. And I in our actually situation. see it as an
4: exciting thing that um, that the industry has grown quite a lot in the last ten years. And yeah, we are making really interesting shows now. Yeah, I mean, like um, I was head writer on a show called Room Nine which was on SABC One. That was the, f-
1: the one... Yeah, that was very... I, I think it broke new ground, really. Well, was, and,
4: and that's what's so exciting. It's like it's the first time we've ever tried to do sci-fi. Yeah, it was
1: very dark. I was like,
4: oh, I and don't know what's SABC One yeah, is no, doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but at least we tried something different, uh-huh. you know? Um, And I think... I think audiences responded to that. I mean, we got great viewing figures from the SABC. Mm-hmm. Um, We... I won a Safta for for writing the show last year. A South
1: African Film and Television Award, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh.
4: So we, and we also won for best editing. So it definitely had an impact.
1: That's fantastic. And and
4: and and I look at new shows like one of my clients, Pabi Mohanedi, mm-hmm. She's on a show now called It's Complicated from Zanzi Magic. Uh-huh. And it's 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 a really interesting show because it feels like, um, it almost feels a little bit like Sex in the City set in Jo'burg. Three three women, three men talking about relationships i wouldn't even
1: say love triangle because it's like a love pentagon yeah. like people <laughs> everywhere in relationships and 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 yeah,
4: yeah. And, and then i've got another actress um who i'm representing didi makobane uh-huh. who is um she's she's uh about to her, her new show is about to premiere on mzanzi magic on the 11th of october it's called yalla isn't it not that's it yes uh-huh. yeah um and, and that's Different as well, you know. Like Mzanzi's doing some interesting things. SABC's is doing some interesting, interesting things. ETV is doing. You know, it's the rivalry is good because it's making us all better. Yeah, you know, it's it's. We keep raising the bar, and that I I just see great things for the South African film and television industry, you know, going forward.
1: Absolutely, and so most definitely, just your last word of advice to anyone out there who has aspirations of getting into the industry. What would you have to say to
4: them? I would say if you're passionate about it and and you believe in yourself, you just got to stay on that path, even if it it seems difficult at first. Yeah, things will work out. The universe has a way of realizing the dreams that you have and uh yeah i think just you know like yes you will go through periods of doubting yourself Mm -hmm. but if you really believe and you're really passionate about what you do it'll happen
1: hey and listen i heard once that madonna went through like a month of just eating popcorn for dinner so (laughs) if you can still afford and if if we think about
4: charlie's toron who was at first struggling in la and she had you know a big free card in a bank and the yeah. an agent saw her
1: well we know? don't want
4: to promote no, aggression I must say, in I'm banks no i'm not saying you should do that but uh it it just goes to show, you know, that somehow we can make it happen. We can make it
1: happen. Athos, thank you so much for joining me this thank morning. Thank you for having me. You're sir, really, really appreciate it. Great words of wisdom. We like we're making mental notes galore. So thank you so much for stopping by this morning. Start, thank, thank you to Lauren Julius as well earlier for joining the show, and thank you for listening. Until next week, we'll do this again Fridays 9 a.m. on CliffCentral.com. My name is Sia, and I'll see you.
0: Untapped talent on CliffCentral.com.